hello everybody this is salil tripathi from the institute for human rights and business and as part of our series of podcasts on the top 10 concerns for business and human rights in the year 2018 today we are going to be talking primarily about the whole notion of arbitration as a remedy as you know the theme for um, this year we have focused on is remedy because that's been the theme that business and human rights working group at the un has also been working on my guest today is klaus uh, kronstedt who is a distinguished lawyer from sweden and uh, he has done enormous amount of work both in terms of human rights as a senior partner in the past with a corporate law firm and now independently and his focus has been on arbitration and to look at ways in which human rights abuses disputes can be settled So welcome uh, Klaus. The first question is what prompted you to develop this proposal on arbitration as a way to address issues and cases of human rights abuses in business contexts. Uh, I can say I have attended many forums, conferences and seminars where the participants repeatedly have asked why after all these years of endless high level rhetoric there is almost no access to, to justice for victims uh, of corporate abuse or human rights. So yeah. in a, in April 2013 I think the situation became ever worse even mm-hmm. worse. Uh, the Supreme Court of the United States dismissed the tort case of Kiobel uh, versus Shell. Uh, the case uh, was about the liability of a multinational corporation for complicity in crimes against the Ogoni people in the Niger Delta. As the Ogoni could not expect a fair and open court trial in Nigeria for justice in the US court under the alien tort statute as you certainly know this statute was considered to be the resort for serious human rights disputes where uh, the courts were where were uh, corrupt politically influenced or simply unqualified so by the missile of the case the supreme court told the world that the US was fed up uh, yes. to be offering the extraterritorial jurisdiction in uh, to aliens so This defeat of the alien tort statute triggered the start of our project. To begin with, I um, contacted Adrian Margolis, uh, a lawyer uh, at Lawyers, sorry, for for, for better business, L4BB, uh, to have her advice on the idea to create a system of legal governance which, with global reach, important uh, for business and human rights disputes. She was positive, uh, thank God. So um, uh, she recommended me to contact some U.S. and U.K. lawyers working with human rights. Mm-hmm. One of them was uh, was Bob Thompson in New York. Yes, this was a start of a fine and very effective cooperation. And soon thereafter, law professors from the Netherlands and the U.S. joined our working group. They were. Jan Eichbouts and Steven Ratner and earlier this year uh, professor Martin Scheltema uh, from Holland from The Hague yeah. also joined and I'm delighted to conclude that our six member group is working extremely extremely well together mm-hmm. so my question then is that what sort of response have you received i know that the paper has gone through several iterations and your team has also expanded so what kind of response are you getting from civil society and from businesses we we have um, published quite a number of papers about the proposal and the contents have been very much influenced by responses from various experts and stakeholders in society uh, and and in the beginning of the project the responses were mixed 
that's the least you can say. Our proposal was criticized specifically by the NGO. They said this resembles with investor-state arbitration, mm -hmm. ISES, as you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and that has been criticized for numerous reasons, including non-transparent processes and excluding NGOs from participation. However, I, I think, and we all think in, in the working group, that we have convinced the NGOs that our proposal is totally, totally different from investor-state arbitration, which is about um, rights to companies against the whole state. And the, the companies are the plaintiffs. You know, mm. proposal, the victims are the plaintiffs and the companies are defendants. And, and uh, our procedure should be uh, totally transparent. And our uh, arbitrators would be selected for the knowledge of human rights norms. Right. And their principal function would be to protect, not thwart, human mm. rights. And one of the fundamental principles of arbitration, of course, is that they rely on the principle of trust and credibility. Trust has to be in the good faith of the rival that they are willing to go for a non-judicial uh, mechanism and the credibility of the institution itself. Uh, what provisions have you envisaged to ensure that? I will just first uh, give you some report about the multinational corporation, how they, how they have been reacting. And I mean, in the beginning, it, it was uh, sort of a night dark. I mean, they were absolutely not interested. Uh, they, they thought, uh, let's say, the number of... Uh, of lawsuits, whether through arbitration or in court, will be increased. But, but uh, slowly but steadily they are beginning to be positive. Society's increasing uh, demand on supply chain uh, responsibility for human rights is one of the one, is one reason. And an effective way for the multinational enterprises is to introduce their human rights commitments in the supply contract, for an example, and uh, have it together with the arbitration clause. Mm. So any defaulting supplier would be subject to business numerized arbitration brought by any party that was empowered by the contract to call on arbitration. And this could, if, as far as reasonable and possible, affect the entire supply chain. The second route uh, is where multinational corporations in their various contracts could state how victims could participate in any future arbitration. Victims could be granted rights to initiate arbitration as third-party beneficiaries mm -hmm. as an alternative to national court. That's, that's quite important. Um, third-party beneficiaries uh, you can find in, uh, in other places in, in the legal different systems. So it, it uh, will be uh, very workable also in, in arbitration. And recently I, I would say to say that our proposal has taken a giant step forward today. A drafting team with expertise in international investment, arbitration, human rights, supply chains and other issues is now being assembled to prepare a set of arbitration rules. Bruno Simon, former judge of the International Court of Justice and a respected arbitrator, uh, will chair the drafting team. Mm -hmm. And further, our proposal is now being funded by the City of The Hague mm -hmm. and supported by the Netherlands Foreign Ministry. This is significant public acknowledgement of, of the importance of our proposal, so we are very satisfied. So I think you responded partly about the issue of the credibility and trust Yeah, by the kind of uh, institutions you are bringing into play. But in terms of civil society trusting the companies and companies, I, I suppose your response would be that it would be a matter of time once uh, people have seen how it works. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 
CSR, I started with CSR when I was, was in a law firm in the mid-90s. You know, mm. People laughed at me and said, well, for heaven's sake, you can't build that. And yes. I said, yeah, I know I can't build that, but I will learn a lot. And I think the same will happen here. The corporation could be quite a bit worried about uh, arbitration and human rights. Yes. But the pressure uh, will increase, exactly as it did for CSR. So if some big, good, uh, serious corporations start using the arbitration, others will follow. Uh, my next question is on the model of arbitration itself, because I remember one of the early concerns that NGOs had with the proposal was that there are some disputes and some abuses which are so grave that you have to go to a court and have a proper trial. And arbitration, while it may be more efficient, may not be effective. So are you going to make it very clear in are you are you making it very clear that this is only for certain types of disputes no i think uh, arbitration i mean it concerns civil dispute not criminal dispute yeah yeah that that, that creates the land so, so the cr criminal case is, uh, is taken care of national courts courts in many countries are all, uh, either not available or not suitable mm. to hit cases relating to business and human rights abuses yes and, and that, that could be due to armed conflicts corruption political influence or lack of competence. Mm -hmm. But even in fair, independent and competent national courts, the parties may experience delays, high cost language problems, time consuming appeals, and a multitude of legal jurisdictional and practical obstacles and difficulties in enforcing orders. In contrast, uh, business human rights arbitration would be available worldwide regardless of nationalities of the parties or the place where the business human rights abuse occurs and the tribunals will use expert arbitrators selected by the parties and the procedures would be flexible and transparent and save time and money. Part of the procedures could even be handled online and the rulings in contrast to, to the National Court's judgment will be almost universal and enforceable according to the New York Convention. So that brings me to my final question, which is probably a technical question, and pardon me because I'm not a lawyer, but you mentioned the New York Convention, so would there be one governing set of rules by which awards will be given, or do you think there might be two or three or maybe even five panels, and if so, would it not lead to some kind of a forum shopping? How do we ensure that there is a certainty of standards and certainty of rulings? I think those arbitrators who, who will handle cases of business and, and human rights arbitration, they are experts in international law. And uh, international law is, is what we're talking about when, when we speak with business and human rights. Compared with, with local courts and national courts, they can change judges during the term of, of, of the dispute uh, proceedings. Uh, you don't know if the guy or the, or the woman, if they know anything about human rights. Yeah, I mean, no, no, you're absolutely, and that has been one of the complaints about the OECD national contact points. Exactly, that has exactly. been one of the constraints. Thank you very much, Klaus, and uh, wish you all the very best with your project and uh, hope to hear more from you soon. Thank you.